Hello, everyone, and welcome to whatever this is. It's a podcast. It's a continuation of the summer sermon song series. You like alliteration as much as I do? Oh, I love it. It's great. Especially with S's right into a microphone. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> the best ones. Um, so um, my name is Damon Heitman. And I'm Greg Allen Pickett. Wonderful. And yeah, this is just a, a little continue. We got so many songs suggested for the summer sermon song series that uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to maybe take a few more of them, a little bit different format, just a few minutes per song, uh, say a little bit about uh, what we think might be going on or and uh, and go from there. Yeah. So we're excited to bring this to you. We'll see how this first one goes and we'll do a few more of these if this works out. Yeah. Do you need any more introduction than that? Uh, no. Uh, you can tell us what song we're going to listen to. Okay, I can do that. Uh, so the first song that we're going to listen to is the Logical Song by the English group Super Tramp. Uh, came out in 1979. It was written by Roger Hodgson, uh, who said this about the song. Throughout childhood, we are taught all these ways to be, and yet we are rarely told anything about our true self. We are taught how to function outwardly, but not guided to who we are inwardly. We go from the innocence and wonder of childhood to the confusion of adolescence that often ends in the cynicism and disillusionment of adulthood. In the logical song, the burning question that came down to its rawest place was, please tell me who I am. So let's give it a listen.
So there you have it, The Logical Song by Super Tramp. This uh, brought to mind a couple of scripture passages for us. Greg, if you wouldn't mind reading the first one. You bet. And the uh, first one, you know, the artist starts talking about when I was young and life was so simple mm-hmm. and then it got complicated. Right. And uh, Jesus has something to say about that in the Gospel of Mark at chapter 10, verse 13. So people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly. I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms laid his hands on them and blessed them. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that this song catches this this tension between who we are as children and who we become as adults and sometimes we're 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 forced well I think we're we're always forced to change from who we are as children to who we are as adults and the things that we think are important shift and change. And, um, and then there's this little passage from Corinthians that um, talks a little bit about that as well from first Corinthians chapter 13 verses eight through 13. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end as for tongues, they will cease as for knowledge. It will come to an end for we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. Interesting juxtaposition of those uh, two verses because the Jesus verse pretty clearly says that it's it's through childlike faith that we will achieve the kingdom of God. And the Corinthians could, could go a couple of ways, mm-hmm. but it uh, it suggests that we, we should put an end to our childish ways it, or, or at least it says that we will put an end to our childish ways. Um, and so I, I like the juxtaposition. I think there's a good tension there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the um, one of the questions that I sort of came up with, or that I was thought of while I was thinking of this, is which things should we put away, and which things should we not put away? Yeah, what what are the characteristics of children that Jesus is uh, is talking about? Is yeah. glorifying? Yeah, what is what that, exactly is he is he lauding? Yeah. There? It's it's a good question and, and and ties directly into the song where the the artist is 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 realizing that some of these adult like qualities that uh, that he has been taught being logical responsible practical dependable clinical intellectual uh, aren't bringing him joy yeah they're not helping him find out who he really is exactly right like, yeah like they're they're not really talking about the core of his experience I read just a little bit on the song and he wrote it kind of as a reflection of his experience going to boarding school and that he felt that he was, he was being taught sort of the right and proper way to live, like to be 
respectable to be acceptable to be um presentable and then he puts in to be a vegetable as well um but he wasn't being taught like these weren't things that were helping him figure out who he really was as as like an individual or what's really important to him they were just these are things that you're going to need to be able to do to to i don't know blend into the world or get by in, in life or whatever but yeah, it's interesting, and, and we didn't pull any of these scriptures, but Paul likes lists like this, too, <laughs> right. uh, both on positive attributes and, and, and negative attributes, and, 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 and Damon, when he's praying, mm, yeah. uh, also, <laughs> <laughs> and so it didn't surprise me terribly that uh, of, the, of the songs that didn't make the Summer Sermon Song Series cut, but made the podcast cut, that this, right. was, uh, this was the first one we decided to do. Yeah, editor's note, I was in charge of <laughs> selecting those songs. Yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting to me. And I think similar sort of things happen to us, even if we're not talking about the transition from childhood to adulthood. Or like from, We could talk about shifting from a childhood faith to an adult faith. And um, sometimes as children, we come across complicated questions and complicated answers not all the time um as adults we like to think that we have more complicated (laughs) questions and oftentimes we do um i had somewhere else that i was going with that um now it's totally left my brain but um but even if we're just talking about as as people of mature faiths um like we we come to church on Sunday morning and we just sort of get filled up with these a particular set of ideas and values, uh, love, peace, hospitality. I'm making another list, right? Um, and then we, when we go out the doors of the church and, and we aren't necessarily asked to abide by those, um, like we're as often asked to abide by different sets of values um, yeah, and those those other values are oftentimes in tension with the values that we're uh, right. we're trying to learn and then live uh, as as followers of Christ. It's it's interesting because Paul talks about maturing in the faith, uh, but it's not necessarily a reflection of age. No, uh, and then and then this passage from from Mark where Jesus says it's 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 through the faith of a child that you will achieve the kingdom of heaven, and so again brings us back to what are what are the characteristics of children that Jesus is lauding that say that's the kind of faith mm-hmm. that will help you more clearly see God um, and and unfortunately Jesus doesn't answer that question for us and so we're left to answer yeah. that question um, but I think that uh, it's easy for the world to beat that childlike faith out of us right mm-hmm. um, whether it's we're presented with with logic which feels like it's in contradiction to faith, which mm-hmm. I would argue is not right. Uh, or whether it's, uh, it's clinical or dependable or intellectual, but the, the world imposes these values on us that, that, that can, we, we lose sight of that, of that childlike faith, that faith, um, that Jesus was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The simple, like the, what's the simple core sort of kernel of the faith, right? So you get, well, love your neighbor as yourself. That seems like a good starting point. Right. And it seems simple and easy to grasp hold of, right? I think there's a reason why that's one of the things that we try to teach our children. 
time and time again, right? Um, that's why we read the Good Samaritan story to them so often <laughs> when they're little. Um, but then we walk out into the world and we're not necessarily encouraged or asked to abide by love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we're bombarded with messages that are different than that. Right. If not the exact opposite. Exactly. Just take care. Just worry about yourself yep. and you don't need to worry about anybody Others. else. Yeah. Like yep. you, you get yours and then that's what life is about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's uh, where those, those sorts of things dull, I think our perception of the things that we learn to hold on to with that sort of childlike understanding. And I, I do think that that uh, a part of that childlike faith is, is grounded in, in love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and reading between the lines on the Mark passage, um, if you've spent time around kids, if you're not loving and hospitable, kids aren't going to come to you, right? <laughs> yeah, no. And yeah. so Jesus is modeling what that faith looks like. And, and we read that the he takes them up in his arms and he, and he blesses them. These kids are, mm-hmm. are drawn to Jesus, right? And because Jesus is, is living out those kingdom values of love and hospitality that he's trying to teach. And then he's using the children as an example of this is what it looks like. It's, it's, it's what these children are doing. It's that, that pure, authentic love. Kids love for the sake of love, not because they think they're going to get something out of it, right. but because they love. Mm-hmm. And uh, our society and in, into adulthood, sometimes love becomes a bit more conditional. Yes. And we place conditions on our love, and society tells us that's, that's how you do these things. Mm-hmm. But it's this childlike faith Mm-hmm. grounded in this unconditional love that I think is what Jesus is getting. Yeah. At. I think that we all, it's interesting that you, cause I think we also learn a way of dressing up other things as love. Yes. If that, I, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain it any better than that. Um, where, where, what we are trying to present, we're trying to present something as love, but it's really not right. Love. Um, and kids don't do that so much. Yeah, no. There's, you know? Yeah. They're, they're just more authentic. Authentic. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good word for it. So I think an authentic love um, yeah. and more unconditional love is, uh, is probably what Jesus was getting at. And, and, and I think then pairing that with uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which describes what that love looks like, right? And, and before the part that you read right. today, but it describes that love is patient and kind and not jealous or boastful or not arrogant or proud or rude. And you don't, these are, these are childlike qualities, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kindness and kids generally aren't arrogant or proud or rude. <laughs> well, not rude, right maybe. away. <laughs> they learn it over time. Right. <laughs> uh, and so that, that is that love that we're going for that I think Jesus is pointing us to with this verse. Um, and and probably kind of what the the songwriter of of the logical song was seeking as well mm-hmm. a, simp- a simpler time he refers to that and and then this this plea of please tell me who i am yeah yeah it's almost that sort of that sense of he, he starts off with when i was young it seemed that life was so wonderful a miracle oh it was beautiful magical right and then he juxtaposes that with all of the things that he's been um, taught to be um, logical, being one of them, acceptable, respectable, presentable, um, and it's almost as the, and then that question of who 
please tell me who I am. He's sort of, it sounds as though he's caught in that tension of, am I the person who was able to look at life and see it as wonderful and beautiful and magical? Or am I the person who has been taught this sort of routine of life and that everything is a, is a habit and, um, and everything gets kind of boring after a while. It's like, I think of people who got, have gotten glasses relate, I think to this, like when you first put on your glasses and you look at a tree from a long ways away and you like remember what leaves looked like, and like trees weren't just like big round fuzzy things. They had individual leaves and it was mystifying, at least to me, to a certain extent. But then after a while you kind of forget the wonder of that. Yeah. I don't know if that... Yeah, no, that, that, that does. That that makes sense. Yeah. And so am I the person who... Am I the person who like first saw that tree for the first time in a long time and was amazed by it? Or am I the person that's kind of gotten bored of looking at trees? Yeah. Yeah, I actually, just this past week I've been thinking, uh, I, I read a, an article about awe and the importance of... of being in awe of things and i just got back from a week in the in the pacific northwest and there's this mountain uh called mount rainier and it literally rises up from sea level to fourteen thousand feet Mm. and my father-in-law has a view of it out of his living room window Mm -hmm. and uh and so he sees it every day right and i i go see it once a year and then uh, i had a chance to actually hike on the on the side of the mountain with him and we got to this one point where we had this this view of the mountain that was just awesome, right? right? Yeah. Awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I stopped in my tracks and I, and I pulled up my camera and I was taking pictures and, and my father-in-law's kind of looking at me. And, and then he goes, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? He said, I see it every day. Right. But I see it through your eyes now. And mm-hmm. it's, that that's that's awesome. That That is awe-inspiring. Right. Um, and, and how do we, in, in our lives, not just when we see something that we see every day, but how do we see the awe of, of the way God is at work in the world? How do we see the awe of, of human love right. uh, when we're living with it every day? Right. And, I, and that's probably part of what Jesus was getting at with this yeah. faith like a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of the challenge. You know, can I, can I go to the grocery store and see the, and just be awed by the other people who are there? Right. Living, living their lives, getting groceries, doing their thing. Um, Like to be able to see awe and beauty and wonder and the things that we've become accustomed to just seeing as routine um, is a, is a challenge. Absolutely. (laughs) So absolutely. um, Anything else? Gosh, I think we've, uh, we've covered it pretty well. I, I mean, the the pastor in me says, in, in answer to this question of, of, of please telling me who I am, uh, the good news is we we know the answer to that question. Like, we're, we're gods, mm-hmm. and we're followers of Jesus, the yeah. same Jesus who tells us that we should have this this childlike faith. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's easy to lose sight of that identity in the world and in the hustle and bustle, but ultimately that's that's who we are. And so uh, our call then is to to live life accordingly, I suppose. Yeah. And it's interesting how often um, we're referred to and how often we refer to one, in, one another as children of God. Right. Uh, that, and that it's both 
an identity and a calling in some ways. Well said. Yeah. Um, okay. Our next song also has to do with youth. I think where, where the logical song, I think takes a look at youth and looks at it in sort of wistful, uh, wonder eyed sorts of ways. Uh, this one takes, um, looks back on, on a, a wasted youth maybe, or I'm not sure exactly how to phrase that, but it's called yesterday when I was young. I was re- recorded by Roy Clark, not Roar Clark. I don't know who that is, but maybe it's his brother. But Roy Clark recorded this in 1969, though it was actually originally recorded by a French singer-songwriter. Is your French pronunciation better than mine? No, but I'll give it a shot. Okay. <laughs> it was uh, Charles Aznavour. Oh, that sounds good. Thank you. In 1964. Uh, so this is... Uh, Yesterday When I Was Young by Roy Clark. It seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. I guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. Yesterday when I was young the taste of life was sweet As rain upon my tongue I teased it long As if it were a foolish game The way the evening blues may tease A candle flame The thousand dreams I dream The splendid things I play I always built a last And shifting sail I live by night and the naked light of day And only now I see The years ran away Yesterday When I was young So many happy songs Were waiting to be sung So many wild pleasures Lay in stone for me And so much pain My dazzled eyes refused to see I ran so fast the time, and youth at last ran out. I never stopped to think what love was all about. And every conversation I can now recall concerned itself with me and nothing else at all. The moon was blue And every crazy day Brought something new to do I used my magic age As if it were a wand And never saw the worst And the emptiness beyond The game of a love I played With arrogance and pride And every flagging I Too quickly, quickly Friends I made all seem somehow to drift away And only I am left on stage to end the play There are so many songs in me that won't be sung A 
Feel the bitter taste of tears upon my tongue The time has come for me to pay for yesterday When I was young So that was Yesterday When I Was Young by Roy Clark. Uh, I have a uh, bit of scripture here that it reminded me of. Uh, but before I do that, one fun fact. Roy Clark honored a request from Mickey Mantle and sang that very song at the former Yankees funeral in 1995. So there you go. That's a sad song to sing in a funeral. <laughs> it kind of is. A double fun fact. He also once performed it on The Muppet Show. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you can find that on YouTube. It's, <laughs> and we will need to uh, credit Roger Dore with, uh, with yes. suggesting this song for the Summer Sermon Song Series. So we will be, make sure that Roger uh, gets a hold of this podcast in whatever form it may be. Yep. Uh, so the scripture passage that it reminded me of was the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, not that Lazarus, the other Lazarus. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come by and lick his sores. But the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And that's how that story goes. <laughs> that's one of my favorite and also most terrifying stories. It, it is both of those things. There, You know, it's interesting... Uh, images of hell are actually few and far between in the Bible, and a lot of the images that uh, we invoke of hell or Hades uh, are extra-biblical narratives. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there are really very, very few words written about what hell might actually be like, uh, and this is one of them. Right. And it's, it is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also requires a pretty good understanding of, of Old Testament and, and, and Judaism. Um, Abraham being the father of, of the Jewish faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so clearly in this particular version, heaven is getting to be with Abraham. Right. But also to be at peace. Yeah. 
and hell is is getting not to be with the faith with mm-hmm. Abraham who represents the faith um, and not being at peace and and knowing that you're not right at peace mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a tough one mm-hmm. and I think what really connected for me between this song and this scripture passage was this idea of of missed opportunities or the sense you know Roy Clark is singing about the mistakes of his youth and he'd sort of burned through his youth without sort of realizing the gift that it was um and and the things that he could have done sort of then and that he made it sort of all about him in in a certain sort of way and um and i think the same thing about the rich man in the story um who lazarus was outside his gate all the time walked by him and yeah uh, he knew he knew he knows he looks up at where he is with abraham and he knows his name (laughs) so right they're they're familiar um with one another and yet he must i would think look back and think oh oh life life was not about me or you know life life should have been about lazarus or or whatever the case but yeah and this uh this passage from luke is uh it's it's a parable it's jesus mm-hmm. telling a parable it's it's allegorical and and so that's that's the great part about the parallel of the song because Roy Clark is essentially going through this exact same regrets as the rich man walking through realizing that his life and, 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 and you nailed this he says every conversation I can now recall concerned itself with me and nothing else at all right. and the game of love I played with arrogance and pride and every flame I lit too quickly quickly died uh, that the songwriter uh, had chosen a life inwardly focused just like the rich man Mm-hmm. Um, and and is having these deep regrets, just like the rich man, mm-hmm. realizing that uh, that the call or the, the the better life, the more faithful life would be, outwardly focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one of the questions that this brings up for me is, what helps us realize in life that life is not about me, as as an individual. I, um, and I think at different times, it's sort of a sudden realization. I think at different times, it's a a building up of of things or of experiences. Um, but and then then where do those where do those challenges come from? Yeah, and uh, some people don't ever get to that realization. Right. Uh, certainly, yeah. What well, and and I think. Uh, our faith can can help us come to that realization. My one of my theology professors in seminary, at probably at least once a week during class, uh, would say, "And if there's nothing you take out of this class, I want you to remember: God is God, and you are not. <laughs> God is God, and you are not. And that should both remind you of your dependence upon God." Uh, and remind you that it's not about you, but also that should be comforting. Mm-hmm. Because if if you turn it over to the sovereignty of God, you realize God is God and we are not, 
there's comfort in that. In addition to helping us live a less self-centered life, mm-hmm. it also is comforting knowing that God is there with us, taking care of us, being God's sovereign being, self. Being God. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is good news. It is. It, it's the best news. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also helps us reorient our lives so that it's not about us. We're not making ourselves into gods or demigods, uh, elevating ourselves above what... Uh, what and who we are mm-hmm. um, right which has a, a really um, separating effect between ourselves and others yes right I that sort of if I'm um, not that I not that the individual self isn't important right and not that the needs of the individual self um, don't be needed taken care of right um, but that everyone is an individual self right on the same on the same plane of existence. Um, and so that my needs are no more and no less important um, than anyone else's. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and back to what we talked about with the first song, you know, the, the command, the faithful life is love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So, there's an important thing there. Like you need to love yourself. And, and I had a really interesting conversation with Kylie about this about a year ago. Mm, mm-hmm. And she reads, love your neighbor as yourself as a reminder for people who are too self deprecating that they also still need to love themselves. Sure. Yeah. And that, and that is true. Yeah. Uh, and then for people who are a little too proud, it's a reminder that you got to love your neighbor <laughs> on the same level as loving yourself. Right. Uh, and, and, and I had never thought of the both sides of that, but, but, but both sides of that are true. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that, re- that then requires you to have a, an external focus on God and on your neighbor. Um, and that, that seems to be what the songwriter here was lamenting, that they spent their youth lacking that external focus. They became so self-centered. Right and turned inward that they, they, they're regretting the mistakes of their youth yeah. around that. Yep. And then somehow lived long enough to sort of realize or to see the folly in that, or to, or to watch the facade of it fade away uh, and, and sort of see what, what he was left with, which was, it seems to be not much. Not a lot. <laughs> um, it also, it kind of reminds me, so the songwriter is clearly thinking of this as this is a thing that you learn as you get older, right? That that he, or at least that he learned as as he got older that that life wasn't about him. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with my dad. This has been quite a few years ago, but he talked about um, like retirement. Um, he's like retirement being wasted on the old. <laughs> is how he talked about it and but but i think this was kind of the sort of the sense that he was getting was that like he said like we should let young adults take five years ten years of sort of retirement <laughs> um but i think he was assuming that people in that age bracket would have the same sort of perspective and understanding that he did as a retired person and that those are the folks with all the energy, not all of it, but more energy, right? Um, and just imagine if we could put those folks, if they were free of a certain set of responsibilities 
to to do good work right <laughs> like to live out this idea of life not being about them with that wisdom right with right, the yeah. wisdom that comes from yeah with years. the wisdom that he had gleaned and that others surely have gleaned right mm-hmm. yeah well that's that's the power i think honestly of uh programs like americorps that you participated in mm-hmm. or peace corps uh, there's a Presbyterian version of it called the Young Adult Volunteer Program. We've got Sarah Babcock right. that we're sending off, and Kaylin Songson's coming back from that. But programs like that allow people in their 20s uh, to spend a year serving others and realize that that it's not just about them, right? Right, and also that God is God and they are not, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's value in programs like that. Um, yeah, so I, I think your your dad has some some wisdom there. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was an interesting conversation that I remember having with him. But um, what else? My only other question is: Is this where Charles Dickens got his idea for a Christmas Carol? It sure. Uh, or, or or did the writer of the song get the idea? From Charles Dickens, right? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I wondered if Dickens got the idea from this passage in Luke. Oh, from the passage in Luke. Mm-hmm. Where the rich man asked that Lazarus be sent back to his brothers to, who are still alive to warn them right. of the coming danger. Where Scrooge gets to go back to himself and warn himself, right? Well, his his business partners come back and okay. warn him. That's what it is. Uh, Marley yeah. and Marley. Yes. At least in the in the Muppets version. There's two <laughs> there, he has two business partners. You're quoting Charles Dickens <laughs> from the Muppets Via version. Via the Muppets, yes. Mm. This is how most of my understanding of classic literature works. Now is that better or worse than the <laughs> <It's>, Cliff's notes? <laughs> it's classic literature through the Muppets or through Looney Tunes or through Animaniacs or through some other conduit. This is a really helpful insight into you, Damon. <laughs> I'm really glad I know this. <laughs> so there you go. But yes, I, I think it is quite possible that Dickens uh, got some of his ideas from the Bible and specifically from the scripture in Luke. Um, and I, I think the writer of Yesterday When I Was Young, I mean, you even have the line there, I always built to last on weak and shifting sand. Mm-hmm. Of course, invokes uh, Jesus' parable about the the guy who stupidly built his home on right. uh, an unstable foundation on a sandy foundation and, and mm-hmm. what that means. And so it's, uh, it's interesting to see the biblical and theological themes as they intersect in and out. And, and we talked about this uh, last week when I preached with Adam White, that uh, we make this distinction between the sacred and the secular. Mm-hmm. But if we really believe in the sovereignty of God, if we really believe God is over and above and in and through all things, right. um, then a secular song mm-hmm. is sacred in some, I mean, God, some. God had some, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and certainly draws sacred themes, even if it's not explicitly sacred. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's one of the great things about the Summer Sermon Song series is it lets us pull that back a little bit and to tease out these sacred themes in these things that are labeled as secular and realize that uh, that that's that's a pretty hazy line. Yes, it's a false distinction yeah. to a certain extent, for sure. 
Uh, and that's why it's nice to be able to to do this, to try out this new medium uh, and get a chance to explore a few more songs. Um, I'm not entirely sure how often these are. We have plans to do three of these. Not entirely sure how often we'll get them churned out uh, and posted someplace, but uh, people have found this one, apparently. And we also uh, we want to thank our church for yeah. uh, for both listening to this one, but also for submitting songs for the oh, Summer yeah. Sermon Song Series and for engaging with both Damon and I uh, as we have... Uh, we both enjoy this very much. Uh, we enjoy it enough that we thought, well... It can't just end on Sunday mornings. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's do something else with it. So thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for for playing along, for uh, for being part of this, and and for inspiring us uh, to also seek the sacred in the so-called secular more alliteration. Whoa, that <laughs> seems like a good way to wrap things up. <laughs> Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Toodaloo. 